Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Grab your Bibles, please, and we're going to get started right away. Um, we will forego this day in history. We've kind of lost some precious time. See what we got going. Wouldn't be fair to bypass a dad joke, though. That just would not be right. Why did the picture have to go to prison? Because it was framed. Yeah, I know we've done that one, but I'm I'm rushing. We're going to get started, and I'm, I'm so I'm going to do some old ones. <laughs> There's an old classic one for you guys new. You haven't heard this one. I was looking for some books on paranoia in the library when I when I asked the library, and she said, "Shh, they're behind you." <laughs> How about the red and black and white? Okay, what's black, red, black, red, black, red? I just read this the other day. I loved it. A zebra with a sunburn. <laughs> Dad jokes never get old. All right. So we're in Leviticus 25 and Mark 11 today. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for guiding us and your goodness and, and just the way that you keep us firmly in your grip. So this morning, continue to um, look forward to the things you're going to do in our lives. We yield over this day. We yield over our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus 25. The sabbatic year in the year of Jubilee. Verse 1, the Lord then spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I shall give you, then that the land shall have a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its crops. But during the seventh year the land shall have a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow in your field, nor prune your vineyard. Your harvests after growth you shall not reap, and your grapes of untrimmed vines you shall not gather. The land shall have a sabbatical year. All of you shall have the Sabbath products of the land for your food, yourselves, and your male and female slaves, and your hired men and your foreign residents, those who live as aliens with you. Even your cattle and the animals that are in your land shall have all its crops to eat. You are also to count off seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, so that you have the time of the seven Sabbaths of years, namely 49 years. You shall then sound the ram's horn abroad for the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound a horn all through your land. You shall thus consecrate the 15th year and proclaim a release through the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his own property. And each of you shall return to his family. You shall have the fifth year as a jubilee. You shall not sow nor reap its aftergrowth, nor gather in from its untrimmed vines. For it is a jubilee, it shall be holy to you. You shall eat its crops out of the field. On this year of the Jubilee, each of you shall return to his own property. If you make a sale, moreover, to your friend or buy from your friend's hand, 
you shall not wrong one another, corresponding to the number of years after the Jubilee, you shall buy from your friend. He is to sell to you according to the number of years of crops. In proportion to the extent of the years, you shall increase its price. And in proportion to the the fewness of the years, you shall diminish its price, for it is a number of crops he is selling to you. So you shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. You thus shall observe my statutes and keep my judgments so as to carry them out, that you may live securely in the land. Verse 19, then the land will yield its produce so that you can eat your fill and live securely in it. But if you say, what are we going to eat on the seventh year if we do not sow and gather in our crops? Then I will order my blessings for you in the sixth year that it will bring forth the crop for three years. And when you are sowing the eighth year, you can still eat old things from the crop, eating the old until the ninth year when its crop comes in. Verse 23, the land, moreover, shall not be sold prematurely, for the land is mine, for you are to be aliens and sojourners with me. Thus, for every piece of your property, you are to provide for the redemption of the land. If a fellow countryman or of yours becomes so poor that he has to sell part of his property, then his nearest kinsman is to come to buy back what his relatives have sold. Or in the case of a man who has no kinsman, but also recovers his means as to find sufficient for its redemption, then you shall calculate the years since its sale and refund the balance to the man to whom he sold it, and so return to his property. But if he has not found sufficient means to get it back for himself, then what he has sold shall remain in the hands of, the, of its purchaser until the year of Jubilee. But at the jubilee it shall revert, that he may return to his property. Likewise, if a man sells a dwelling house in a walled city, then his redemption right remains valid until the full year of from its sale. His right of redemption lasts a full year. But if it is not bought back from him within the space of a full year, then the house that is in the walled city passes permanently to its purchaser throughout his generations. It does not revert in the jubilee. The houses of the villages, however, which have no surrounding wall, shall be considered as an open field. They have redemption rights and revert in the Jubilee. As for the cities of the Levites, the Levites have a permanent right of redemption for the houses of the cities which are their possession. What therefore belongs to the Levites may be redeemed, and a house sale in the city of this possession reverts in the Jubilee. For the houses of the cities of the Levites are in their possession among the sons of Israel. But pasture fields of their cities shall not be sold, for that is their perpetual possession. Verse 35. Now, in the case of a countryman of yours becomes poor, and his means with regard to you falter, then you are to sustain him like a stranger or a soldier, that he may live with you. Do not take usurious interest from him, but revere your God that your countrymen may live with you. You shall not give him your silver at interest, nor your food for gain. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. If countrymen of yours become so poor with regard to you that he sells himself to you, you shall not subject him to a slave's service. 
he shall be with you as a hired man. And if he were a sojourner, he shall serve with you until the year of Jubilee. He shall then go out from you and he and his sons with you and shall go back to his family that he may return to the property of his forefathers. For they are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. They are not to be sold in a slave sale. You shall not rule over him with severity, but are to revere your God. As for your male and female slaves, whom you may have, you may acquire male and female slaves from the pagan nations that are around you. Then too it is out of the sons of the sojourners who live as aliens among you that you may gain acquisition, and out of their families who are with you, whom they will have produced in your land. They also may become a possession. You may even breathe them to yourselves after you to receive as a possession. You can use them as a permanent as permanent slaves. But in respect to your countrymen, the sons of Israel, you should not rule with severity over one another. Of a stranger or a sojourner with you become sufficient, and countrymen of yours become so poor in regard to him as to sell himself to a stranger who is sojourning with you, or to the distance of a stranger's family, then he shall have redemption right after he has been sold. One of his brothers may redeem him, or his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him, or one of his blood relatives from his family may redeem him, or if he prospers, he may redeem himself. And then with this purchaser shall cal calculate from the year when he sold himself uh, to him up to the year of Jubilee, and the price of his sale shall correspond to the number of years. And you are letting me resume. So we, we jump back on. So welcome. <laughs> we are going to pick it up in verse 52 now. We are in Leviticus 25, and uh, we will pick it up in verse 52, Leviticus 25. And if the years remain until the year of Jubilee, he shall so calculate with them. His proportion to his years, he is to refund the amount of his redemption. Like a man hired year by year, he shall be with him. He shall not rule over him with severity in your sight. Even if he is not redeemed by these means, he shall go out in the year of Jubilee and he and his sons with him. For the sons of Israel are my servants. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. <laughs> we almost made it through Leviticus 25 without the camera shutting off, but we just missed those last three verses. Sorry about that. Well, what's going on here on all of these rules? What is he talking about? The year of Jubilee. Obviously, we get this whole concept of Daniel 70 weeks because he says when you have seven years in a row, then the next year you're to let the land rest. And when you get 70 of those, I mean seven of those sevens, 49, then you're, you're, the next year's going to be year of Jubilee. Everybody goes free. The Bible deals in weeks of years, one week is seven years. So it deals in weeks of years. And it's important, this is established in Leviticus, because then Daniel comes along and he says, hey, 77s have been decreed to you. And they understand about jubilees, they understand about release, they understand about um, things, that this is a joyous time, the, the jubilee year. But on the 49th year is, you know, <laughs> it's a solemn year. And of course, you have a lot of interesting things going on in the midst of all this as well. So all of this is pre-typing what is going to come along with prophecy, what's going to come along for the future. 
um, and for Israel to understand how holy God is. And the reason, one of the main reasons, besides idolatry and rebellion, but all connected with why they go into Babylon and into captivity, is because they did not allow the land to rest every seventh year for many, many years, for 490 years. So he said, okay, so you owe me 70 years of Sabbath rest for the land. So I'm taking all those, I'm going to give the land the Sabbath rest. 70 years in succession, one after the other. And I'm I'm taking you guys all out of the land. I meant when I said to let the land rest every seventh year. You didn't do it, so I'm going to take you out and put you in Babylon and let you rest. Let the land rest. So all that to say God says what he means, and he means what he says. And they didn't do it, so God made them pay that back for the land. Very interesting. Of course, she says, even though you cannot plant or receive the crops in on that seventh year, then, or I guess it would be going into the eighth year. Can't remember the, the sequence on that. But he says, even if I will provide for you. In other words, the crops will come in double the year before they were to let the land rest. God made sure that they had enough. Never wanted them to go hungry or without um, being blessed. In fact, everything he did was to bless them if they chose to do things his way. I was wondering about the um, the vineyards. Be interesting, huh? Because they're gonna they're not gonna cut down the vineyards, but they just can't harvest them, or tend to them, or per se water them. The, they, all those grapes would grow wild, and it must have been uh, something uh, to see. And of course, the animals would be able to eat them, and maybe even some of the foreigners. Not sure. Remember how that works. But um, it would be a temptation, wouldn't it, to see your grapes out there growing on the vine and saying, well, can't do anything. Uh, Why? Because God said to trust him and to trust his ways are higher than our ways. So there you go. Mark 11, 1 through 18 now, triumphal entry. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the villages opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back here. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside the street, and they untied it. Some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and they gave them permission. They brought the colt to Jesus, and he put their coats on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their coats in the road, and others spread leafy branches, which they had cut from the fields. Those who went in front and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem. And he came to the temple, and after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve, since it was already late on the next day. When they left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs, but he said, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. 
And he began to teach and say to them, Is it not written, My house should be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a robber's den? And the chief priests and the scribes heard this. They began seeking how to destroy him, for they were afraid of him. For the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. And you also have to wonder how much money the chief scribes were getting and the priests from the sale of those things, if they were getting a little bit of money back from all that, which is often the case. Jesus coming in, riding on the donkey, of course, we just covered this recently, was fulfilling Daniel's prophecy of the 70th week of 173,880 days from March 14th, 445 BC, when Artaxerxes Langemanis declared that they could go back and start rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And that day exactly was April 6th, 32 AD. That's when he wrote in. And so he was expecting to get there and find, I mean, he knew he wasn't, but prophetically what was supposed to happen if they had been paying attention to the prophecies is they should have received him, the chief priests and the scribes and everyone there at the temple as their Messiah and King. There should have been an entire assembly of the high priest with everyone with their trumpets and everything receiving their king and shouting for joy. But there was nobody there. He came in there and basically came to the temple and there was nothing happening. The people now were shouting and rejoicing, but they probably didn't quite understand why. They did not understand the prophecy. God was allowing that, stirring them up so that they could later look back and say that was the day that we were supposed to receive our king. So he doesn't see, he's not received as their king. So then he goes to Bethany and he comes in the next day. And because of the corruption and the idolatry, really, well, not so much idolatry, but just the corruption, uh, he goes in and he now is as Messiah king, starting to clean out his own his own um, area of, of dominion over the, the temple area. And, uh, and so you see this all going on, and, and all the priests are concerned about is protecting their, their position, their livelihood, their economy, all the money and everything going on in the temple. It was a business for them as much as anything else. And so they seek to destroy the king that came their king that had come, their Messiah, who they've been praying for for generations and generations and generations and spoke about and prayed over every day was now there in front of them. They said, no, I'm going to kill you. Very sad. Charles Spurgeon now, our substance blessed, blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Deuteronomy 28.5. Obedience begins a blessing on all the provisions which our industry earns for us, that which comes in and goes out at once, like fruit in the basket, which is for immediate use shall be blessed. And that which is laid by us for a longer season shall equally receive a blessing. Perhaps ours is a handbasket portion. We have a little for breakfast and a scantly bite for dinner in a basket when we go out to do our work in the morning. This is well, for the blessing of God is promised to the basket. If we live born hand to mouth, getting each day's supply in the day, we are as well off as Israel. For when the Lord entertained his favored people, he only gave them a day's manna at a time. What more did they need? What more do we need? But if we have a store, how much we need the Lord to bless it? For there is the care of getting and the care of keeping and the care of managing, the care of using. And unless the Lord bless it, these cares will eat into our hearts till our goods become our gods and our cares prove cankers. O Lord, bless our substance 
Enable us to use it for thy glory. Help us to keep worldly things in their proper places, and never may our savings endanger the saving of our souls. How's that for a quote? That's a really good quote there at the end. Uh, yeah, keep that in mind. Well, let's, um, let's pray. Let's give this time over to the Lord. Father, we do thank you and we praise you and we bless you for this beautiful day that we have and ask that you be glorified in all that we do. And um, we do, God, want to take stock of everything that we have around us and not make those things our gods and not make the the care of those things um, become our primary concern so that we don't have care of the people around us. And we are guilty of this, Father. It's easy to slip into that, but help us and be and help us to be thankful for the food that we have every day, and not to um, expect as Christians that we're supposed to have over and above an abundance of food that you are our supplier, and that we can trust you for what we have. So we thank you for that, and we ask you to continue to bless the the work of the ministry here and the way you are bringing new people in and people are becoming saved and growing and becoming grounded in their faith. We are so joyful to see that, especially, well, not especially, but alongside the services and the Bible studies, this program, this time that we spend every morning online together through the podcast that you continue to mature us and bring us deeper into your, to our relationship with you. And thank you for the new people coming on board and, and journeying with us. Thank you for all that you're doing and for the healing that you are doing. We're still praying for those that we prayed for on Sunday. Continue to heal those that need need a touch from you and need uh, a little bit of a little bit more encouragement in their walk as as well. As well, we want to pray for. All those that are struggling in, in the areas of addictions, God, we know this is a big thing in our culture today. Even prescription drugs, as those many of us have had injuries and accidents and had no intention of becoming addicted to something, but it, but we, we did. And so God, help them get off that. This town, which is focused on drinking, God, we pray that you would help us and all those, God, that are walking with us on this journey of faith to cry out to you and look to you and and make a stand against this um, this devastating disease of, of alcoholism, this drinking. And so, God, we help ask, ask that you would touch those that are asking for help, and you help them fight the battle, because we can't fight it alone, God. But these things need your intervention by your Holy Spirit so that they're strong enough to walk away from it. And we know the only thing that can do that is that you always have to fill the void. And the only thing that fills that void is you. When you fill that void, God, we don't need that other junk. You are the source of all joy and comfort. And even when we're depressed and down, and you are what we can drink in and realize that you are gracious and loving and kind and merciful. And you look at us as your sons and daughters, not with condemnation, but with love. And so we know we can find our strength there. So help us in that. And those that are on medication for their illnesses, God, we do pray that you would use them. Just use them so they can get over their, their pain and get back on track. And we pray for marriages, God, you continue to strengthen the marriages in our fellowship and those that are our are, are friends listening online, that you would, God, just keep them firmly in your grip. Help these couples to yield their lives individually over to you so that two of them as servants of, of you and of your son might come together as, as a wonderful representatives of your love for this world. So thank you for all you're doing. Just strengthen Help those that are dealing with their loved ones that are rebellious or out there wandering to stay faithful, to keep trusting in you, keep waiting on you, God, that you are a, you are a loving God. And sometimes it takes a long time, we know, Lord, but you can transform, you can bring the prodigal back. You can touch them, 
you can transform them, but you will do it in your time. So help us to maintain our faith and to maintain our strength, God, of our commitment to you and not get frustrated when we don't think, see things going our way. And Father, we do pray for Dean and Kim, the whole family, Abigail, that she's able to speak more and, and gain more control in her thoughts as well. That Emily starts just continues with her joyful smile and praising you and singing songs, God, then that she feels your peace and your love and your joy. All of them, that Kim feels your peace and your love and joy because, God, we can. Paul said that your grace was sufficient even in the midst of his trials. So we ask you continue to be their strength and that we look forward, God, to their baptism if they feel good enough. God, we hope that they do. We, we look forward to that time as well, as well as, uh, as well as Elisa getting baptized. We thank you and for all that you're doing in her life. And thank you for her and blessing her. And also that LaDonna is better, God, that you've healed her up. So we thank you for all these things, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, there we go for today. And we will see you again tomorrow at the same time. And as we know that the Bible says, look up for your redemption draws nigh. He is coming soon. Bye-bye. 